Okay. So I am getting a little older. These are uh, Invisalign bifolds. They're not getting the job done anymore. I don't know if that's a sign or what, but I've got full-time readers now. Oh, yeah, and they're not 2X, 4X, or whatever you guys get at the grocery store. No, no, no. I have to get the good ones. Wow. Okay. So this will be an adventure. We'll see how I do seeing everything. Um, but uh, anyways, my name's Rick Bauer, uh, and I'm glad to be here this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about Romans chapter 1, or chapter 12, I'm sorry, verses 1 and 2. It's just two verses, but um, apparently God had a lot in those verses. I want to say thank you to these guys. Those songs were perf. They were perf. He doesn't get a copy of the message that I'm about to share with you guys. He just gets kind of like a little hint, and that's what he did. So for those of you who have ears to hear, you'll be surprised at how good a job God did picking those songs and, you know, allowing them to share them with us this morning. Okay? So if you will, why don't you stand? We'll uh, read uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 together. I was sharing with these guys when we were doing the mic test <clears throat> that I memorized these two verses probably in 1978. It's a while ago. <laughs> uh, anyways, back then, I was reading from the New American Standard. Uh, today, I've got, uh, I'll be sharing out of if the uh, English uh, ESV, the English Standard Version, and uh, the message. Uh, but anyways, this is from the English Standard Version, so I'm going to read it uh, just because I don't trust myself. <clears throat> I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, you can be seated. Thank you. Got to stay hydrated. My son shared here one time, he came up with a ginormous Mountain Dew. He said the same thing, you got to stay hydrated. I don't know, any Mountain Dew fans out there? No? Okay, well, anyways, he liked it. Romans chapter 12. This is probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible. This chapter is a treasure chest. It's full of nuggets worth their weight in gold. It's full of truth and grace, revelation and understanding, encouragement and exhortation, 
instruction, and invitation. I love this chapter. I really do. Every time I come here, and I come here often, God has something new for me to take away. Another gift of grace for the journey, if you will, to help me follow and draw closer to him. The verses in this chapter have been a place of encounter for me for many years. And whether we've been a Christian for a short time or a long time, this chapter has something for each of us. If we have ever thought there must be more than just accepting Christ or wondered what God's plan is for us and this life, this chapter is for us. I'm excited to share my latest encounter with you this morning. And it's my hope that we will encounter God this morning as we look at his word together. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you are a God who is holy, holy, holy. You are Lord above all, heaven and earth. You love us with a great love. And you've given us the gift of eternal life through your son, Jesus. Help us to see more clearly this morning and understand with a better understanding what it is you have for us as we enter this journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. The Apostle Paul begins this chapter with these words. Now, uh, just going to step aside here for a second. Okay, a little side note. If you're in your app or you got a Bible in front of you, okay, just stay with that. I'm going to be talking out of two versions this morning, ESV and the message, because I need it all. <laughs> it's that good, all right? So I'll be kind of in and out. I'll try to let you know when I'm using the message, uh, but the first verses, the first time I read, it's usually from the ESV. Second time will be uh, the more uh, expanded version of the message, okay? So that's, that's what I'm up to. So if, you're, if you don't see all the words I'm sharing, they're there. They're just in different translations, okay? All right. So the Apostle Paul begins this chapter with these words. I appeal to you, therefore, before we consider Paul's appeal, let's not miss this word, therefore. Therefore should be a signal to us to ask, what is this therefore? Romans eleven thirty-four to 36 gives us a little bit of an idea when we read, and this will be from the message. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done him such a huge favor that God has to ask his advice? Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. 
Always glory, always praise. Yes, yes, yes. Amen? Amen. This is who God is. He is supreme. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And as we just sung, He is the great I Am. There is no one who can explain Him. No one smart enough to tell Him what to do. God does not owe anyone anything. He does not have to ask anyone for advice. Every single thing comes from him. Every single thing happens through him. Every single thing ends up with him. God always gets the glory. God always gets the praise. Yes, yes, yes. So good. So good. So I was driving, uh, not yesterday, but the day before, and I was listening to the radio, which I usually do. Uh, you know, I, I love my Pandora. Um, and a new song that I, I don't think I've ever heard it before, it came on, and, and it was called, Get This, Jeremy, God You Are. How, how cool is that? A little bit God thing going on there. Okay, and it's by uh, We The Messengers. I don't know if anybody's ever heard it. Okay. Uh, the chorus and the ending verse, though, stuck out to me. And this is how it goes. You are holy, 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 high and set apart. You are holy, 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 God. You are holy, 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 God. That's who you are. It's in the empty tomb. It's on the rocky cross. Your death-defying love is written in your scars. You'll never quit on me. You'll always hold my heart because that's the kind of God you are. When I was young, you called my name. I tried to run, but still you came and you stepped into the dark because that's just the kind of God you are. I really like that. Really like that. That's just who God is. Paul, in the book of Romans, has made the case. Romans, in my view, is a masterpiece for the case for Christ and God's redemptive plan for human salvation. If I were to ask you to share your salvation story and a verse or verses that influenced your decision for Christ... I imagine that many of you would share at least one verse from the book of Romans. In fact, I bet at least one of you have heard or even shared the Romans road to salvation, explaining the good news of God's salvation plan. Paul's letter to the Romans lays it out. It's crystal clear for us. And he lays it out this way. First, he shows us the human problem, or I like to call it the bad, the bad news. 
as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one, in Romans 3.10. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's one to memorize, okay, just helping you all out here. Romans 3.23. And for the wages of sin is death, the first half of Romans 6.23. But he goes on. Second is the humanity's hope in Christ. I like to call this the good news. But God demonstrates his great love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Anybody know what verse that is? Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8. And the second half of 623, which goes like this. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Third, we have the sinner's response. Or our choice, if you will. If you confess with your mouth. It's right up here. <laughs> I realized that as I was writing this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Romans 10, 9 through 10. And just two verses later, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. And finally, the Romans road shows us the result of salvation. I call this our assurance. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 5, 1. And Romans 8, 1 says this. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. It's a complete package, if you will. It takes us from who we are, sinners, to what our hope in Christ can be and the promise and the assurance that no one will take that away from us. It really is kind of a cool way to share the gospel. If you've never used that, um, I'd encourage you to look it up. It's online <laughs> if you need to. But it is a clear presentation of the gospel and the good news. Okay? So all of that to say, I'd like to come back to Romans chapter 12. <laughs> Let's look at verse 1. I appeal to you, brothers, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I'm going to read this from the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it 
before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. With the hope of salvation secure and God's sovereign supremacy firmly established, the Apostle Paul starts Romans 12 by leaning in with an urgent appeal or request. This appeal is not just to the Christians in Rome, but it's to all of us who follow Christ. The message puts it this way, so here's what I want you to do. What do they say? Listen up. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> okay, here's what I want you to do. It's important for us to remember that salvation, our salvation, is not just an event. It's not. It's not. It is an event, but it's not just an event, okay? Beth had to help me out with that yesterday. <laughs> it's a journey, right? We are on a salvation journey. How many of you have ever read Pilgrim's Progress? Yeah. Salvation journey, right? There you go. Okay. What follows in this chapter 12 are the next steps of our spiritual journey. A playbook with an eternal focus on heaven, on holiness, transformation, and Christian service. Let me say that again. What follows are the next steps of our spiritual journey, a playbook with an eternal focus on holiness, transformation, and Christian service. Paul makes sure to include the phrase, by the mercies of God or God helping you. God's word is intentional. Valerian has showed us that over and over again. So it's, a fair, so it's fair to ask, why did the Apostle Paul include this phrase? And what is he saying here? The insert or the phrase should be a reminder to each of us of who we are, who God is, and what he has done for us in Christ. Mercy for those of you who get confused between mercy and grace, mercy is compassionate. I'd be one of them, okay? Mercy is compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender or an enemy or other person in one's power. And grace is the freely given, unmerited favor and love of God. Without God's mercy and grace, you and I, would not be here today. I am absolutely 100% convinced of that. Paul is reminding us the God, that God is with us to help us by and through his mercy and grace every step of the way on this journey of life. He also wants us to take a pause 
to thank him for every opportunity he has given us to know him and serve him. To ask for his help and his guidance in all that we do. And to look for what he is doing in every situation and to listen for his voice. Take a little swig here. Then I got a story. So I started riding a um, uh, bike again uh, with my brother, Abimana. You may know him. Okay. And uh, I used to, I, when I was a kid, I, I was on my bike all the time. Then adulthood came and <laughs> you know what happens. But anyways, the kids are out of the house now and, you know, I need the exercise. God knows that. <laughs> okay. Um, so we've been meeting on Saturday mornings at oh dark early. That's too early to get up for most of you. Okay. To get some much needed exercise. Enjoy the outdoors and spend time together. But before we start and after we finish every ride, we take a pause. And my brother prays for our time. Praising God for who he is, all that he's done, and for all that he will do. Thanking him for the day that he's given us. And to ask for and thank him for his blessing and protection over our ride. It's a little thing that's a big thing. Can I say that again? It's a little thing that's a big thing. When we take the time to remember God's mercy and what we do, we take the focus off of us and we put it on him. We are also accepting that we need God's help in everything that we do. I'm going to break this verse down a little bit. For I'd like to look at this phrase, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. The message says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life. There's a description for you. Okay? That kind of brings it home. For me, anyways. So Paul, he's leaning in here, and he's talking to you and me as Christians. This is our call to action. This is our call to action. Take what you believe, what you have received, the testimony of Christ in you. Give what you cannot keep, your life, to keep what you cannot lose, eternal life, today, tomorrow, and forevermore. It's a call to take our everyday ordinary lives, our 24-7 Sunday to Sunday lives. Anybody can come to church. Anybody can endure a message, even mine, for an hour or less. Okay? <laughs> I won't keep you an hour. Anybody can do that. But where the rubber meets the road in our Christian walk is from Sunday at about, oh, I don't know, 12.30, 1 o'clock to Sunday at roughly 10.30 in the morning. 
all that space in between, right? Okay? It's a call to take our 24-7 Sunday to Sunday lives, our sleeping. Do we believe that God gives us rest? Do we believe that? Yeah. And do we lay our burdens down before we sleep? You guys do that? You know? Do we wake thanking God for the rest that he has given us? Hmm. Our eating. Our eating. Do we believe that we have come, that all we have comes from God, even the food that we eat? Do we believe that? Yeah, we believe that. Okay. And do we take time to thank God for the bounty of his provision in the food we eat and the hands that have prepared it? Do we? Yeah, most of us do. What about our going to work or school? Do we acknowledge that God has given us hands to work and minds to learn? Absolutely, right? Do we commit our days to him? Be it our work or our learning at school, do we do that? If we don't, we should be, right? We should be. And what about our walking around life the rest of that time in that space? What about that? Do we believe that God is with us wherever we go? Yeah, we do. And do we believe that he can guide our steps if we let him? Absolutely. And do we believe he is a lamp unto our feet? Sure, we, we absolutely do. That's a promise from God's word. We should believe that. So, if we believe all that, and we are experiencing God between Sunday and Sunday, we are in effect presenting our bodies, our whole bodies, whatever it takes by the mercies of God with him helping each one of us to be a living sacrifice. We live from Sunday to Sunday. That's where we yield to God. That's where we make our sacrifice. In every single area of our lives. Remember, he is the great I am. Every single thing comes from him. And every single thing happens through him. And every single thing ends up with him. Every single thing. So let's move on. Holy and acceptable. Now this is where the whole chapter went off the rails for me. <laughs> it became really apparent really quickly that I was going to be lucky to get through verse 2 today. So if you're counting verses, we're, we're looking at 1 and 2, all right? And hopefully maybe I can share a little bit from the other uh, later, but um, it's probably going to be at another time, okay? Holy and acceptable to God. The message puts it this way, and place it, place it before God 
as an offering. If you and I are going to be able to realize the truth and promise of this great passage and the present and present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we need, we need to understand God's holiness and how it impacts our lives. These songs that we sang this morning were awesome. Holiness, God's holiness. Miles' prayer, God's holiness. We need to engage God's holiness. I don't know about you, but I don't always think I've got a good handle on God's holiness. Okay, but it's something that we need to do. We need to, we need to lean in on that. Paul's telling us we need to lean in on that. Okay? <clears throat> we encounter, we encounter God. When we encounter God, it is always in his holiness. Why? Because he's holy. That's his character. So when we encounter him, we're in his house, his playing field, his realm. And his realm is holy. Okay? We have examples in the Bible that just crystal clear, right? Moses. Clear example in the presence of the Lord. Right? And there was more and more others all the way along the way. Okay? This is our spiritual worship. This is what Paul's talking about. When our lives are holy and acceptable to God, this is our spiritual worship. The message puts it this way. We embrace what God does for us is the best, embracing what God does for you and for me is the best thing that we can do for him. You understand, do you hear that? When we embrace what God does for us, it's the best way, the best thing, the best way for us, the best thing that we can do for him. Okay, the best way that we can serve him. I've been reading a book by Paul Tripp titled, Do You Believe? Um, and I've been reading it uh, for my devotions this summer. It's pretty good size. <laughs> um, so I've been taking little chunks at a time. Um, and I've been working my way through a chapter that entitled, God's Holiness in Everyday Life. In this chapter, Trip asked several questions related to God's holiness in everyday life. Shocker. The questions, they're challenging. Um, and as I thought on these, I started to see by the mercies of God and with his help, kind of what like the apostles telling us to do and to recognize, uh, a connection between Tripp's questions and the apostles' appeal and instruction to us in Romans 12. I've been praying for clarity and a better understanding of Paul's appeal. I really have. I think for a long time, I know I memorized this verse way back when, but for a long, long time, I don't think I really had my bearings right on these first couple of verses. 
You know, I kind of jumped over verse 1 quick, got right to do not be conformed, but be transformed, you know. And and then I, I kind of latched on to some key words, and I didn't see the whole of the verses. And there's... And, and I didn't really understand that Paul was using these two verses to set up what he was about to show us, these next steps. So I started getting an inkling of that not too long ago. And that's been weighing on me that I, I really wanted more clarity and I wanted to have a better understanding. So when I came across this book I've been reading in this section, so oh, this could be my big chance, right? Get a little bit more clarity. So anyways, I was looking for better understanding to Paul's appeal to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable as our spiritual worship. I really wanted to get more clarity on that because that's not easy to understand. And it's really, it could really be a challenge to, to see that, how that fits in to my day-to-day, -day, my Sunday-to-Sunday. -Sunday. What is that all about, right? So anyways, I'd like to consider a couple of questions that he posed. The first question is, what does it mean to live every day in the situations and locations of your life in a constant recognition of the holiness of God. What does it mean to live every day in the situations and locations of your life in a constant recognition or awareness of the holiness of God? This is our spiritual worship. The message puts it this way, embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. When we embrace what God does for us, we recognize his holiness because everything that God does is holy. Okay? Thanking God for his goodness, for his provision, his protection, his love, his plan of redemption are all ways that you and I can recognize the holiness of God. They're all ways. I'm thankful for God's word. So thankful for God's word. The Holy Spirit's presence in my life and for the fellowship of believers God has put on my path to encourage me to know him better, to seek his ways and to accept his invitations to serve him. To present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable as, a, as our spiritual worship. Let's move on to chapter, verse 2. Paul says in uh, Romans 2, 12 2, I'm sorry. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? The message puts it this way. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Huh. 
How about that? Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's what God does, okay? Everything else, I think we're going to put that in the uh, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down category to its level of immaturity, okay? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Next question. What does it look like to let this doctrine of holiness form or shape the important places or areas in our lives, such as our friendships, our careers, marriage, parenting, sexuality, finances, civic life, education, leisure, entertainment, and church life? God's word says, do not be conformed to this world. God's desire for you and me is that we would be holy as he is holy. But how? We are bombarded on every front in this world. Culture, politics, ethics, relationships, all pressuring us to conform. On our own, you and I, we're going to fail. But with God's help, all things are possible, right? Abhiman, remember that? <laughs> we did a little project with him. He didn't think it was going to be possible. <laughs> and we got done, he says, Rick, I didn't think this was possible. But I guess all things are possible with God. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> that was great. All right. Uh, you know, we can, we can live, we can live in this world without being conformed to it. I believe that. It's not easy. And on our own, we're not going to be able to do it. That's why Paul calls us to these, these principles in 12, chapter 12. Okay. He goes on. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The message says, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Did you guys know that God's workshop, where is God's workshop? Does anybody want to venture a guess? God's workshop. Where is God's workshop? God's workshop is in our relationships. Anybody disagree? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? Probably the hardest thing is relationships. And that's where God does his work. Okay? <clears throat> if we really believe that what we believe is really true, and we are willing to walk by faith in the truth of God's holiness, 
we can experience God's transforming work in the important places of our lives. He continues that by the testing, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. The message says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Next question. What does it mean to let this truth, the truth of the holiness of God, capture your heart and in so doing, shape your deepest thoughts, longings, most influential motivations, the way that you make your decisions and the things that you say and the actions that you take. What does it mean to let the truth of the holiness of God capture your heart? When our hearts are captured by the truth of God's holiness and the Holy Spirit is in us, we can test our longings, our motivations, our decision-making, the things that we say and the actions that we take through the lens of God's holiness. How cool is that? He's already figured it out. We don't have to figure it out. We just have to accept what he's already figured out for us. He's got the right lens. Anybody photography? Anybody? Photographers have different lenses for different applications, right? <clears throat> if you go to a, you may see somebody with one of them big honking ones at a ball game or something like that, right? They're just zooming in. They've got the whiskers on that quarterback's cheek, you know. Or you may be with your kids. You're getting a family photo, and, you know, they've got one that's just a little bit, you know, shorter, called the portrait lens. Then they have range finders, which get everything. And fish eyes, which bend it all, okay? God's lens is available to us so that we can see holiness correctly, all right? When the truth of God's holiness captures our hearts, we will readily recognize what he wants from us. And when the truth of God's holiness captures our hearts, we will be ready to respond to his will for our lives. God's will will always align with his holiness. And you can take that one to the bank. Okay? Moving on. What is good and acceptable and perfect? The message says, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So our next question is this. What does it look like to carry this truth out of the halls of formal theology and into the private places where the drama of your life unfolds? You know, here at Southside, we, we kind of have some of these levels, right? We have church on Sunday. And then we have uh, 
some groups that are called, uh, what are they called? CBMs, Connection Branch <laughs> uh, Groups, okay? I, I just know the acronym. <laughs> uh, connection Branch Groups, okay? Where we meet in smaller size groups and we share and live life together as we learn more from, from God's Word. And um, we do all that together, okay? So... Carrying this truth that we're learning at two levels at least, right? Um, we take that now into our daily lives. And one of the nice things about the connection branches is, is that we can report back on how we're doing, right? We pray for each other. I'm struggling with this at work. Or things aren't so, going so good with my kids at home. We pray for each other. We support each other. It's a way for us to you know, come together and to lift each other up and get in closer and see God really at work, okay? His holiness and how it affects our lives, okay? <clears throat> when we carry the truth of God's holiness into the drama of our lives, and some of us have more drama than others, but we all have drama, okay? If you think you're the only one, wrong. We all have drama, Okay, of our lives, it serves as a proof to that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. We can use this theology or this study of God's holiness, this understanding that we get a hold of, we can use that as a proof or a test, okay, to that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Again, God is doing the heavy lifting here. We're just following his lead. We're taking action. We're moving on Paul's appeal, right? When we carry the truth of holiness into the drama of our lives, God's best shines through. God's best shines through. How cool is that? When God gives the truth of his holiness to us to carry into the drama of our lives, we develop a well-formed maturity that glorifies him. You see how important understanding holiness is? It really is one of those keys to being able to take the next steps in our journey and draw closer to him. It really is. It really is. So those were the questions. And that kind of gets us to the end of uh, chapter uh, or second verse in chapter 12. Um, I hope, I hope that I'm, and I'm probably gonna, I don't even know what time it is. What time is it? I didn't have a, am I, where am I around? Am I a half hour in or more? More. Yeah, all right, I'm going to kill it here. All right, so I hope you take some time and to read the rest of Romans 12. There's so much more in it. And, um, but I will leave you with this. A while back, I uh, had been looking at the back half of Romans 12, and I kind of pulled together a little paraphrased synopsis, and I called it Words to Live By by the Apostle Paul. And I'd like to share that with you, and then we'll close. Let love be genuine. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
and rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Thank you for just the wonder of your word, the clarity that it can give us for our lives and as we follow you. Thank you that you're a God who has the plan. You're a God who has shared that plan because of your great love for us. You are a God who is willing to do the heavy lifting. You ask us to believe you. You ask us to trust you. You ask us to follow you. I just pray that as we consider these ideas this morning, that as we look at holiness, your holiness, and how that works in our lives, that you would help us to walk away with something, anything, that would help us to draw closer to you, that would help us to share with somebody that we may know at work or in our neighborhoods to help them better understand their need for Christ and lead them to accept him. In Jesus' name, amen.